0: How's everyone doing? All right, all right. As Gavin already mentioned that we're gonna pick up today in Paul's letter to the the community in Galatia, chapter three. Um, We're gonna do the first half and we'll cover the second half next week. Um, So briefly, let's just do a quick recap of the first two chapters. And then also I'll provide like a backstory um, to what uh, the first couple couple of chapters we'll go through line by line of the first 14 verses of Galatians 3. So you can turn there, and then we'll c- close from there after going through each, each line. Okay? Sounds good? All right, so thus far, um, in the first couple of chapters that we've broken down week by week, each leader, uh, we talked about Paul's radical transformation and his calling to preach the gospel. Uh, we talked about Paul taking a non-traditional route, and uh, to share the gospel and reinforcing God's ability and willingness uh, to equip those that he calls as he did him. And we talked about Paul's defense of the gospel, no matter who's opposing it, in the previous chapter. And as we pick up here in chapter three, we're going to um, discuss, we're going to hear how Paul uh, addresses the, the community directly. Um, before, before we um, go there, but let me just give you a backdrop, a backdrop of the story. He's talking to a community here in Galatia, um, and he's speaking three years after his first ministry journey there. Three years ago, it's about 47 um, um, AD, he's, he's, uh, he came there, in on a ministry trip, he brought Barnabas and some, uh, some more of his team. and He came there, and he was preaching in a very Jewish-ridden area, and so what he was preaching is totally contradictory to what the Jews believed back then. Um, what they believed is by a strict abidance about a, a, a series of laws. But what Jesus came and did, it's a totally different thing. It's not something that you do. It's something that you believe and have faith in. And then and only then you're indoctrinated into a, a global family, a God's family. So this was totally contradictory to what they believed in at the time. And so, what the people were thinking was like, "Wow!" They began to be transformed, and these were many different types of people—the Greeks. they were Jews, and so the Jewish leaders at the time they were they started taking notice about to to Paul and his team, and and uh, so much so that they became jealous of them. I mean, the, if you go to Acts, I believe um, chapter thirteen or fourteen, they talks they, it talks about how the crowds began to overflow as they were speaking. And so the, the leaders, they, they grew so jealous of them that they ran them out of the community. And so Paul still, he believed he held on to this so much so that he came back and continued to preach. And here he is, he, uh, those same community that was converted and was overflowing, he's coming back to talk to them now. And that's where we pick up in chapter 3. Now just think about this for one second. Um, as we go to the first verse, he opens up with frustration. I was just here three years ago, and I come back to this. you going back to where you started. After after this radical transformation, he opens up by saying, you foolish Galatians. It's very very harsh words to, to our ears. But he said, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And bewitched here is, is a sense of, like, being under a spell. Now, just think about it. If you, you know your family very well, just imagine if somebody in your family, in your family is doing something that's totally contradictory to the total, their natural nature. It's, it's, it's like uh, you think that they're under a spell or something, because this is not the person that I've raised. This is not the, the friend that I know. This is a totally different being. And so what he's saying to them is, you foolish, Galatians, who has put you under a spell to make you go back to where you came from? He said um, in a verse, it's, it's a coincidence where he said, he refers to them as foolish twice, this time and in the third verse. And in the second one, he says, I want to learn one thing from you. Second verse, I want to learn one th- just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by or by believing what you heard." And the works of the law here, um, Paul is referring to uh, the Jewish laws um, that were being forced upon them. There's some Jewish laws like keeping the Sabbath, eating certain foods, and being circumcised, and that they were considering going back to follow those strict laws. Um, So that's what he means in the second verse about works of the law. In chapter, in verse three, it says, "'Are you foolish?' Again, those harsh words. And keep in mind, this is in written form, so he has to make sure that he gets it right. He's so frustrated, he's got to get it to him. At the beginning, by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means in the flesh? I and mean, just think about this. At the, at the the context of the word flesh here is "sarks," and it refers to the simple state of human beings, which is often contradictory or in opposition to the spirit. And at the beginning of the every person's faith journey, uh, they receive a spirit. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to Work on a, on a something on the flesh, something that's completely contradictory to it. The spirits, the spirit state, is much more superior than a, a flesh, uh, um, a very strict abidance by what man believes. And they want to go back to a less superior. They want to go back to a less superior state. And so, it just didn't make sense to Paul as he's penning this letter to them. He said in verse four. Have you experienced or suffered so much vain if it really wasn't vain or like producing no result? Verse 5, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? He said this again. This is going to be reiterated multiple times in this chapter. Have you received God's spirit And work of miracles among you by the works of the law, or by believing what you heard? Now, this is obviously a rhetorical question, right? Did you receive God's Spirit by by something that you did, or something that you heard and you believed in? It's the latter, but he had to he had to reiterate that to them. So, if this if it is the latter, then why are you still trying to do works to be deemed righteous? It just didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense as I break it down, and I and I and I and I and I I, I research it. But but to Paul, he had to be thinking, like, what are they doing? So, verse six, he uses a a biblical illustration to this in the Old Testament. He's going to refer to the Old Testament a lot of times in this chapter, and this particular individual is very critical because keep in mind, these he's speaking to some. um, people who are part of Abraham's lineage, and so they uh, they naturally are being taught and being brought up with some Jewish traditions. So he he uses somebody a, a biblical figure that's very important to the Jewish people, Abraham. He said in verse six, also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him credited to him as righteous. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. So he he talks about two different aspects here. He talks about Abraham. If you go back to Genesis 15, that's when uh, God um, told Abraham that um, that I'm going to give you. He to, he's telling Abraham, 75 years old at this time, I'm going to give you a fa- I'm going to give you an offspring. And he said, Lord, like, how are you going to give me this? I'm the only person I have is this man. I don't have any like flesh and blood, you know, people, a son to. To be my heir. And so what he said is, just believe. He said, as many stars are there in the sky, so will your offspring be. And so at that point, the 75-year-old Abraham believed. And then the scriptures say in verse 6 of Genesis 15, and God credited him as righteous. And so that's what Paul was referencing here in verse 6, Genesis 15. Now, uh, uh, the second half of that is talking about the children of faith. Um, it says that um, since Abraham is considered um, righteous and blessings are to come to his offspring, then we too are in the mix. Solely for one reason, because we have faith. And this is also referenced in verse nine. But before we go there, let's go through verse eight. There's a the Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. He said, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So again, we're in the mix because we rely on faith and are also blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. But in verse 8, it talks about all nations will be blessed through you. What is, it referring to? What is Paul referring to? He's referring to a couple of verses, again, in the Old Testament. In Genesis 12 and 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 18, 18 says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations, not just Jews, all nations on earth will be blessed through him. And then it says, uh, in Genesis 22, 18, and this is right after Abraham was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Keep in mind, this has to take extreme faith because Abraham, God told Abraham that he's going to give him a heir, and, that, and, and through that heir, he'll he have a, a, as many children as there are in the stars in the sky. Keep that in mind. So God told him to sacrifice this, this one and only child. And so he has to have extreme faith in God that he's going to take his one and only son that he had when he was in his 90s. Keep that in mind. So he's going to bring his one and only son, and at this time his son is in his, his teenage years. So just think about this. So if he's in his teenage years, so he's Abraham's over 100. So he's he has to have extreme faith that if I'm going to sacrifice this son, somehow, some way. God is going to give me another error. Something is going to happen because this is my only son. And just as he's me, he sacrifice his son, the, 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 the scriptures say the angel of the Lord stopped him. And then on the second time that he stopped him, he said, that he, he's going to do it again. The second time he stopped him, he said this in, 20, in Genesis 22, 18, 22, 15 through 18. That the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and, remember, and through your offsprings, all nations, Jews? No. All nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Let's pick up on verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. Now, um, and and you also... Uh, Abraham is referencing another Old Testament scripture. This one is in Deuteronomy. And talks, it says that curses anybody who, uh, who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. And the reason why he said he's referencing this is because the, the, the law that was, that was given in the Old Testament, it was a, a, a series of strict commandments. And nobody can keep up with these commandments. So if you were to break the law... You were considered cursed, as it says in De- Deuteronomy. Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of the law. And that, as we all know, everybody has sinned at least once. And according to the law, if you break this one sin, you're a lawbreaker. So verse 10 says that cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. So he's outlining uh, a horrific a flaw in the law in the law that they so abide by. You cannot abide by this because you cannot keep it. And it says that in verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. You cannot be justified before God because your law says that if you break one, you break the whole law. You cannot be. Your way, it cannot work. There has to be another way. It says, because the righteous will live by faith. He said in verse 12, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says that the person who does these things will live by them. What I was just saying, the law says you have to live by them. But, and the word but is not mentioned here, but, but I would say, but, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone is hung on a pole. Now, what this means is that what, what God sent his, his son down to do for us is he, he took on the, uh, the, our burden, that we, the, the wrath that we so deserved as, a law, as lawbreakers. We, we, and so he took that burden and he died on our cross. He took our curse from us, curse being the wrath that we deserved. And uh, it references this in Leviticus 18 and uh, 5, and Deuteronomy 21 and 3. Um, but it, it, um, and you can you can go check that out. And, and, um, but as a reference to verses 12 and 13 about the curse and how God redeemed us. Um, but in verse 14, he says that he and re- why he redeemed us from our curse. He said that in verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And I, I left this out, but essentially, there's there's two different things that, that are going on here in the, in the, these last verses, 11 through 14, um, as we wrap up this this chapter, uh, this first part of the chapter. Paul is talking about two different two different ways of doing things. Follow the law, the Jewish law that they are referencing. you can follow that, and you can do the steps that would, that they declare that they um, teach that would deem you as righteous, which is it's not it's not because you break when you break the whole thing you can do that or you can just believe you can have faith in what Jesus did on a cross and that by there you're inherited his uh, you're adopted into his family you can do either or. And uh, that's important uh, because that's uh, what we believe today. And as I go through the scriptures, as I go through this, this chapter, it reiterates what we believe in, what happens at the beginning of our journey every single time. We talk about, like, in order to be adopted into this family, you have to believe what happened on the cross. And that what happened is that he took, his, he, um, he took our wrath away from us the wrath that we deserve as lawbreakers, and he, he bore it for us. And that when he died, we ourselves, we believe that we die too. Our old selves die. And a new one comes with the rising of the Christ. So the spirit comes in us and it ri- we, it, it's risen within us. And that we turn away from the old self and we inherit this more superior state that, and, we, and moving forward. And I was just thinking about um, uh, about this works versus uh, faith um, as I was laying down um, at home. Uh, I have two little boys, and one of the youngest one, he's only four. He said something to me that blew my mind that four year old would would think. And I said, I asked him. Um, um, I was reading, or, and he came in, and you know, I saw this as an opportunity to, to talk to him. And uh, as I, right in the middle of the conversation, I said to him, the thought came to my mind and I verbalized to him and I said, Xander, I'm so proud of you. And uh, he didn't say anything, he didn't give me a response or anything, so our conversation continued. He did something, he either said something or did something and I scolded him. And, you know, I, I thought his response would say something like, I'm sorry, dad, or something, but you know what he said? Um, but he let me know where his his little faith lies. He said, "Dad, are you still proud of me? Like that little moment, that little piece of of sharing with him, he told me he made me he gave me insight to a personal belief of his. He felt that i wasn 't proud of him because of something that he 's done, and I was like, Wow like." A couple of weeks from now, I'm going to use that because this, this indicates this is exactly what's going on in this chapter. They're doing things. The words of the law say you do these steps to be declared righteous. But that's not it because you cannot follow all these steps. And if you miss one, you, you miss, the whole thing is thrown out. But over here, it's like you have faith. And from that point, you're righteous in it. It's not something that you do. I, I love him. My love for him surpasses something that he does. He doesn't earn my love because of what he does. He earned my love because of who he is. And he's my, he's my child. And the same thing is true for us. We have that same opportunity to, uh, to, to believe, to become adopted into his family. And it is, it's, like I said, it's something that we, it, to be, to that we've done, if you're a believer, you've done it at the beginning of your faith. If you're not, it's one step that you have to, it's some knowledge that you must understand and must believe in, in order to start your journey. And it's simply this, like I said before. We, everybody, has sinned. And because of that, uh, we are considered, the, at that point, we're, we, 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 our, our goal is to get there, but at that point, we're considered bad. God is totally good, and he's just too. And as just, he, he has to convict badness. He has to. And so the only way to get rid of that badness, there's nothing you can personally do. There's no step that you can take to get rid of this badness. Except understand what, what God, why God had to send Jesus down. He sent it down to to. to he kept the entire law. He did not, he didn't, he's the only one that was able to do it. And in, when it came time for him to die on the cross, he was like a representative for us, for our bad nature. And he, as the scripture said, he was cursed on the, the cross because of all the, um, because he died, of course, according to Old Testament theory, if you die on a tree you're cursed. Well, he carried that curse for us and if we believe that, our sins goes with him on the cross. But he died, was buried, and rose again three days later, as you know already. And it's, it's in that belief that he rose, that we rose with him. We gained his spirit at that time. And if we believe that, then we are adopted to his family, and we have a new spirit. We live by that spirit. We guided that by that spirit. But, and it continues on from there. But it's not something that we do way over here. It's in the belief of the death, burial, and resurrection that we are adopting to his family. Amen.